Sports. This is episode number 66, and I'm Alex Beaudry. Back with me via the interwebs, Mr. Brian Klemecki. How you doing, Brian? I'm good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I think summer... <clears throat> supposed to get 95 tomorrow and the next day, so yeah, I think we're finally here. I went golfing yesterday. It was 55 and foggy. I was freezing. I was like, what is this? That's true commitment. That's called true commitment. It was for, actually, it was for um, Pat Connington's foundation. So Pat was there. Um, I got to hold the Larry O'Brien trophy yesterday. It was actually kind of a cool little event. Um, That's cool. Yeah. Did you ask him if he's coming back? Uh, so he did a, he did like a speech about like what his foundation is all about. And, you know, they're partnering with, uh, it used to be called Wisconsin Rap, which is like an AAU organization, but it's to help kids <laughs> from, you know, bad neighborhoods and you know just rough upbringings to give them an opportunity to play base uh, basketball excuse me so that they could you know whether it's go to college or you know eventually make it to the pros but you know really better their lives and he did a question and answer session and he kicks it off going by please don't ask me if i'm going to be back in milwaukee he's like i have no <laughs> idea um it's not wow. really he's like it's not really up to me um i'd love to be back he's i mean he's he is like single-handedly developing the east side of Milwaukee right now. He's got so much invested in real estate and other businesses that he wants to stay, but yeah. it's kind of up to the bucks and such is the life as a professional athlete. Right. Right. So, so he's like, please don't ask me. Cause I don't know. That's fair. Yeah. <clears throat> um, all right. Over to the world of football. So uh, we got on the docket today, the AFC North, which outside of the AFC West is probably the most interesting division. And the AFC West is interesting because of the football part. The AFC North is interesting because of all of the off field stuff, whether it's Deshaun Watson, which I'm sure we'll talk plenty about today. Uh, Lamar Jackson's contract extension. Baker Mayfield is still like a Brown, but not really a Brown. He didn't show up to any mandatory minicamp stuff last week. I mean, there's so many different storylines in the AFC North, and very few of them are actually about football. So it's going to be kind of a fun conversation. Um, but before we jump into that, we had kind of ended last week's episode talking about Aaron Donald. Is he going to retire? Is he not? Is he coming back? And then I posted the episode, and then maybe an hour and a half later, <laughs> news drops, signs of <laughs> a two-year extension which can really be a three-year extension if basically if he chooses to come back. Um, it's the closest thing to a player option that I can think of. You know, you and I have kind of talked offline about, you know, will, will the NFL ever be like the NBA and can we get player options? You know, owners are going to fight that tooth and nail, but Aaron Donald essentially got that. I mean, if he gets into year three and he decides to play, I mean, the Rams still have to okay it too, so it's not a true player option. But they have to make that decision in like March, and then it fully guarantees year three, another thirty million on top of it. So, your thoughts on the deal? Three for ninety-five, or two for sixty-five, depending on how you look at it. What are your thoughts? Well, I think it's a great deal for Aaron Donald. I think we kind of predicted on this show that he was probably going to get top of the line 
money, regardless of position, um, kind of projected that $30 million mark. So he got a little bit of a scrape above $30 million there uh, annually. So it's a great deal for him. Great deal for the, for the Rams, obviously, keep, keeping a generational-style defensive tackle, probably the best defensive player we've seen in the last at least 20, 30 years. Maybe ever. Maybe ever, yeah. I mean, he's up there with the Reggie Weiss, Lawrence Taylors, all them, Deion Sanders. Um, but I think the question is, is how do the Rams just keep pumping out these massive contracts to all these stars that they have? I think the general consensus around Twitter is the cap is a myth. And I'm kind of in that camp with the cap being a myth because you just keep essentially keep kicking all the – cap hits down the road but paying all these huge massive upfront signing bonuses to kind of offset the the cap hits so i want to kind of get your thoughts on hold the whole the cap as a myth narrative and how the nfl can go about validating or basically giving giving the general public a stronger um, belief system in the cap because right now the Rams are laughing at everyone's faces. Meanwhile, you got like the Bears, the Jags that, you know, they cry, oh, salary cap relief. We have no cap. We can't sign anybody. So I feel like to me, the cap, the, the idea of the cap is out there just to give, you know, poorly ran teams, teams that don't want to spend money, the built in excuse, oh, hey, look, it's a cap value. It's a cap thing. We got to cut said player where the Rams are out here saying, what cap? We don't, we don't need cap. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I talked about this a little bit in uh, the episode that came out on Thursday. I just kind of ranted about it for 15, 20 minutes. The the cap is is real. The, the difference is for teams like the Rams, the Saints are maybe the most egregious example of it. it yeah. is, it's, it's a difference in philosophy. So the Rams and the Saints are looking at two to three year windows. Look, let's we, we want the best talent. And we're going to pay it, and we'll figure it out in two years. Like, that's two years. Pro- it's almost like Homer Simpson. That's future Homer's problem. That's the future Rams' problem. We want to win now, and we realize that we have a window, and <clears throat> we'll figure the rest out later. What's what, what some of these teams are going to run into, though, like the Rams, is the salary cap might not be real for them in 2022, but it's going to be real for them in 2025. Because when Aaron Donald does retire after this contract, he's going to have a $25 million dead cap hit. So for a year after Aaron Donald decides to hang it up, whenever that might be, the Rams are going to owe $25 million on their books for him. Now the Rams are probably looking at this long-term going, look, that's four years from now. The salary caps, unless we have another pandemic, the salary cap's going to go up 10 to 15% every year. So in it's two, what is it? 208 this year. Next year, it'll probably be around, Oh God, math's hard for me. Let's say it's around 225. The year after it might be 240. I mean, you can kind of see the trajectory that it's going as long as revenues continue to increase, which I think it will. Yeah. Um, you know, 25 million isn't going to be 25 million. I, I, so that's probably the thinking. That the, the opposite philosophy is like the Green Bay Packers. They don't guarantee any salaries other than Aaron Rodgers after year one, which is a big reason why I think Devontae Adams wanted out. And, you know, he talked about Aaron Rodgers leaving and other things. But, I mean, he got $55 million guaranteed. He wasn't going to get anywhere near that with Green Bay. So um, it's just a difference in philosophies. I think the Packers and other organizations like that are much more um, 
conservative and they're looking at it in a 10-year window where the Rams and the Saints are looking at it in two-year windows and yeah we'll just play these little shell games moving pieces around the problem is for like the Saints like you have Michael Thomas who hasn't really played in two years and he's got like a 38 million dollar dead cap I mean they're they're stuck with him unless they can find a desperate team that's going to take that on so it's it's the future that's going to run into some of these problems with some of these organizations but again if you're the Rams and you win two Super Bowls what the hell do you care you know so that's yeah, my I mean, I guess so. If you, if you win two Super Bowls, yeah, it's definitely worth it. <laughs> but it's just it's crazy to think like like the NFL can continually like let these these teams get into negative a hundred million dollar salary cap. Like the Saints and all the Rams, like oh, you're projected in two years to have negative ninety million, and then yeah. and like and they just move if you if you keep doing and... that though, like say for instance, like in ten years from now, if you just keep bumping it down, like what's going to be left you're just on like half your team's undrafted rookie free agents and veteran contract like minimum contracts it's kind of crazy to think about it is but you know the other big kind of loophole in the salary cap is you're able to roll amounts forward yeah so like if the salary cap's 208 and you only spend 190 this year you get to take that 18 million dollars and move it into next year's cap so while the cap is 208 this year i don't think there's a single team in the nfl that has a salary cap of 208 million some will have, I mean, like the Jets, I think, have a salary cap of like $260 million. Other teams have, you know, less or, you know, below that. So um, there are games that can be played. But, you know, you, for the Rams and the Saints, eventually, um, you know, there will be a year where they'll have to suck. And they will have half of their team rookies and undrafted free agents. But then the next year, if they're below 208 or whatever the cap is, they'll roll that money forward and probably start all over again. Yeah, so essentially you just take one year, one really atrociously horrendous year, but you can take like eight years of being prosperous and, and just kind of take your lumps of that one year. Look at look, the Eagles are a great example. They decided to move on from Carson Wentz. He had a huge dead cap hit, and they said, you know what? Well, they got lucky, too, that they're paying, paying Jalen Hurts nothing. Yeah. They said, all right, let's just, okay, we know we're going to have a rough year this year, and they ended up winning nine games. But they're like, hey. It's going to suck this one year. Let's take our lumps, and then we'll build it through the draft, and we'll do other things. I think the organizations that struggle, they get into trouble because they pay guys Aaron Donald-type top-of-the-market money, but they're not that good of a player. I mean, like Jacksonville. I worry about some of the contracts they write. I mean, Christian Kirk is kind of the – I hope Christian Kirk has 1,500 yards this year because everybody's kind of piling on him. (laughs) But, you know, yeah. he was kind of the first guy to sign this year where he made $18 million a year, and people were going, whoa, he's never even had a 1,000-yard season. Yeah. That's where the Jaguars get into trouble because they're paying top-dollar money for a guy who hasn't proven that he's worth top dollars yet. Yeah. So setting the cap whole thing aside, do you think Aaron Donald sees the two to three years? Do you think he's got to age 34? I think two years for sure. Um, that third year is a big question mark. You know, he's only played eight years in the NFL, which isn't terribly long. But, you know, linemen, they get hit every single play. I mean, that's what I would worry about as a Rams fan. Like, are you giving him all this money based on past performance and just kind of being like, hey, bro, you've earned this, thank you? Or is he going to be able to be all pro for – I mean, he's he's been all pro or at least pro bowl every year, which yes. is insane. Yeah. So can he continue that for two more years? If anybody can do it, it's him. I mean, the guy's a specimen – his work, his work ethic is un, you know, unmatched. 
But 31, taking those lumps, man, that's that's hard to sustain. That would be my only concern about this as a Rams fan. But he's worth it. Oh, yeah, I think he's definitely worth it. And like you said, the hope is for him to perform at an elite level for the next two, hopefully three years. Um, personally, I think he will be able to perform that that high of a level. Um, moving on, what do you think of the Cooper Cup contract? Um, I think it's one of the deals that's probably truly a win-win for um, both Cup and the Rams. The Rams get a bargain. Cause he signed at what, 25 or $27 million per? Uh, 22. 22. So with the added three years. So he, he's playing out. Oh, it's next like two five years, for 110. And then they added three. So it basically comes out, when you look at everything, five for 110 is what's being reported. Yeah. So for a guy who just won the Triple Crown, to pay him $22 million is a bargain. I mean, uh, AJ yes. Brown's getting 25, Hopkins, Hill, and Adams are all over 27 and a half. Yeah. So it's a steal. The reason I like the deal for Cup is he's getting the most guaranteed money of any of those wide receivers I just listed. He's getting $75 million of that, I believe, fully guaranteed, which is what it's all about, man. That's NFL contracts, don't look at the big number. Look at the number that you're for sure going to get. And no matter what, he's getting $75 million. So um, I feel like while the average annual value is probably lower than what he could have gotten um, – when you look at what he's guaranteed to get, it's a it's a nice deal. Do you think that he sh- should have like? Do you think he will perform at the elite level he has this past season for the next five years? What do you think his projection is? The thing about Cooper Cup's game that I think makes this contract make sense is he's not like a Tyreek Hill. You know, Tyreek Hill uses his pure athleticism and speed to create separation and do the things that he's able to do. Cooper Cup has never been that. He is just an elite route runner. Um, So as long as he can stay healthy and he can maintain his ability to get in and out of breaks, he's going to be impossible to cover. I mean, the guy runs like a mid-4-6-40, and yet you just just can't cover the guy. I mean, his ability to get off the line of scrimmage, his his precision route running, get in and out of breaks is right up there, I think, with Devontae Adams. They have very similar skill sets. And I think in the first year, he's built that trust with Matt Stafford where I I don't know if he'll ever be able to repeat what he did last season. I mean, he just set the mark so high. Yeah. But, you know, 120 balls and 13, 1,400 yards and double-digit touchdowns is not out of the realm for this guy, I don't think. I think he clears that easy, honestly. Well, 120 might be uh, – receptions might be a little stretch. We'll see if he gets that with this, with this offense this year, but – Get 13, 1,400 yards for this guy, I think that's – I think he clears that easy. And double-digit touch. I mean, he's a, just a favorite yeah. target. Whoops, yeah. Stafford. Does it, he's it probably, matter? He's probably the best slot receiver in the game, easy. Um, you pair that with his yards after catchability, his rapport with Stafford, that chemistry is right there. Um, like, he could probably clear at least 90 yards a game, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. But if you're, I mean, if you're averaging close to 100 yards a game, you're looking at like 16, 1,700 yards. Yeah, you're going to be right up there again. Yeah, and I think it's fascinating to watch the progression of offenses where I think you'll start seeing the best wide receivers move inside just because it opens up the route tree. You can go any direction, and it puts corners like Jair Alexander, who just got paid at a huge premium because you have to be able to now guard every route. You can't – like I wonder if the days of like 
Darrell Revis, where he just was your left corner. Like, is that going to be a premium position, or is it going to be the guy who can come inside, play a little bit against the run, but really manage every route in the route tree? To me, I think nickel corner is probably, like, the new, like, premium position. Like, yeah, great, you're, you're a great boundary corner, but what I want is a great nickel corner. So, like, for Green Bay, moving them, moving Jair to the middle, to the nickel slot, I think that's way more valuable to become being able to cover those slot wide receivers than it is the X, the traditional X wide receiver where there's not as much um, mobility, lateral mobility um, versus the slot where you can go any which way in a route tree. Um, there's way more things to protect the, the run game. You got to be stout in the run game there in the nickel slot as well. So I think nickel is way more valuable to me than a boundary corner, like you said. Yeah. It's fascinating to watch. The other thing to watch for the Rams is can these guys stay healthy now? I mean, they got oh yeah, they're 70, so top heavy. They get so million wrapped up in three players. Yeah, if any of those top heavy stars go down, like if Aaron Donald goes down, and he's been lucky to have a great bill of health through the last decade here, and then if he goes down for like say eight games, you're looking at what on the mm-hmm. defensive line? You're hoping that maybe Leonard Floyd gives you something, but I mean, as far as depth on the defensive line or anywhere, Jalen Ramsey goes down. You know, if Matt Stafford misses a game right here and there, like, I mean, you really have no depth behind any of these stars. And that's the other side of the salary cap discussion is, you know, you're very top heavy and the NFL injury rates, 100%. You're going to get hurt. Yeah. How serious yep. or not is, is up for what happens, but you're going to get yeah. banged up. And do you have guys that can rotate in and it's all about roster building. Do you prefer, you know, B players across the board or do you want some A's and then you got some C guys and just hope the A's can carry you. And last year the Rams were carried by their stars and they're going to yep. follow that, that mold for at least another couple of years. So, yep, for sure. All right. <clears throat> Let's jump into the AFC North discussion. Thoughts on the division as a whole, maybe before we run through team by team here, what like, just as you sit here today, middle of June, what are your thoughts on the AFC North? I think since he's probably still the favorite in my eyes, um, Baltimore did some things to kind of shore up their offensive philosophy. They're getting back to like the two, three tight end look. Hopefully they're getting back to the power run game that they've been successful with. Um, the Bengals, that high flying offense. I mean, I don't know. I don't see anyone stopping those three wide receivers with Joe Mixon. I mean, that to me is the favorite. And you got Pittsburgh It's kind of a wild card to me. I mean, you lose big Ben, but how much did big Ben really give you? You got, you got, you know, Mitch Trubisky, Kenny Pickett, Mason Rudolph can't battle. Can those guys be similar or maybe even outproduce what Ben gave you last year? That's a question mark. I think they, you know, there's an argument to be said that they can surpass a 40-year-old at Ben Roethlisberger. And then you got just the absolute dumpster fire in Cleveland. So yeah, we'll that's going to be the, probably the most interesting situation of what's going on with that. That, I mean, it's a dumpster fire for all the, like, the most – worst reasons you can possibly think of and we'll get into that but yeah it's just not going well um you know it's it's pittsburgh is like you said very interesting and if you are correct that whoever they throw out there whether it's trubisky or Pickett, it's weird they're giving mason rudolph a strong look at least that's what they want everybody i've been reading kenny pickett's qb3 right now it's between mason and mitch so we'll see which would make me extremely nervous as a 
Steelers fan. It'd be like it's when the super Packers early. It's only Jordan. June. I know, but it'd be like when the Packers drafted Jordan Love, and now he's gonna sit behind Kurt Benkert. And they're like, uh, "What?" Yeah, but when um, you if you remember, like when Carson Wentz got drafted to the Eagles, you know they traded for Sam Bradford, or they had Sam Bradford, and you're like, "Oh, Carson Wentz, I think was behind Nick Foles, Sam Bradford at first when he was a rookie, and then like you know two months past, you get the training camp, you get the you know preseason work, and it's like, oh, Carson Wentz is our starter." So well, I think it's so early. It. Now that I think about it, wasn't Jordan Love behind Tim Boyle his first year? He was, yes. Yeah, so I guess maybe maybe it's the same thing. All right, um, so let's run run through these teams. Let's start first with the Super Bowl runner-ups. Um, this team will go as far as Joe Burrow's arm will take them, I believe. Um, your first question here is, can he repeat the magical postseason run and become a top three QB? Yes, one hundred percent. I. You think he can I, push out? You think he can push out one of the big dogs? You know, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. I think. I mean, this year, this year can go one of two directions, and it's always hard because history is not on the side of Super Bowl losers. That's the only thing kind of hanging this black cloud over the Bengals. But Joe Burrow, with his competitiveness, his ability to win games, he's clutch. He's got a strong arm, and that relationship with Jamar Chase cannot be overstated. This this could be his coming out party where he's a legit MVP candidate in my eyes. Okay. I mean, he's, he's got the tools and I think the freedom in that offense going into year three to really be the next bona fide superstar. I mean, and he's got a very interesting kind of personal brand, right? Joe Cool. Joe yeah. Burr, you know, Joe franchise. He's, yeah, yeah, he's got the the cigar smoking after the national championship. Joe, I mean, he can kind of be the next cool guy that the NFL looks to to market. And it, like, if you're a Cincinnati, you got to be loving it. Like, there's no reason this team in the next two to three years can't have five, six prime time games a year and really kind of be the next up and coming team in this league. I mean, I, I, I think ne- like. It's gonna. You're getting this new generation of quarterbacks. Where in three years, it probably is still Pat Mahomes. It's probably still Josh Allen, and it probably is like a Her, a Herbert, a Burrow. It's the Herbert Burrow, yep. Um, Deshaun might not ever play a football game again, and we can, like I said, we got plenty yeah. of time to talk about that. But you just look at these younger core of quarterbacks. You have to include Burrow and and Herbert. I mean, both these guys need big years this year, going into year three. But if they do, I mean, it, this is the next up and coming generation of quarterbacks. These are this is the next Brady. Breeze Rogers group, I think. Yeah, I think um, I think Herbert and Burrow are going to be tied to each other forever throughout their careers, kind of like the you know Larry Bird Magic Johnson debate. You know, who would you take? Uh, it's just kind of the way things go in sports. You know, you're in that same draft class. You're you're both at that elite high level play on the field. Um, they're going to be pretty much a natural rivalry going forward in the AFC the next decade. It's going to be super fun to watch. I think Joe Burrow's got all the tools. He's got the moxie. He's got the swag. Like that swag and that and that confidence is you cannot overstate that. Yeah. Um, I mean, and then his ball placement is second to none. He can just put the ball anywhere you want on the field, and he's got probably the best set of offensive skill position players you can ask for. I think the biggest question about him is can the offensive line hold up this year? They improved the offensive line from last year, which I mean, they had to. Uh, they brought in Leo Collins. Um, they brought another piece into um, Alex Kappa. 
but if you if he can if you can protect him and you can let him operate and make quick decisions, get the ball out and keep him clean, yeah, there's no reason to think that he can't put up top three, top top one, you know, quarterback numbers this year and going forward next decade. Yeah, I mean, he got hit. Forget what it was, maybe seventy plus times last year. Which yeah, was in that Tennessee Titans uh, playoff game, he got sacked eight times, and he just kept peeling himself off the turf making big throw after big throw and just keeping his team in the ball game. He pulled it out eventually. Yeah. I mean, his toughness is unquestioned, but you can only do that so long. So right. I like that. I like that the Bengals address their offensive line. <clears throat> you need those guys to now perform to those contracts they received, but at least, at least the front office is trying. Cause you just, you, Burrow had the ACL. And then even last year, some of those hits, the knee was bothering him. Now he was able to play through it. But, man, I just want to see a healthy Burrow. It's good for the league. It's good for him. Yes. It's good for the Bengals. Um, so as long as they can keep him on his feet, man, the sky's the limit for him. And, yeah, like in his first two years, even before the ACL, the numbers he was putting up as he's running for his life and getting smacked around, God, you give that guy time, it's going to be, like, unstoppable. Yeah, and uh, like you were saying, like, Joe Burrow could be the face of the league. The league could like feature him as a big marketing tool. Mm-hmm. You know, right now it's, you know, the Tom Brady's, the Aaron Rodgers are kind of the face of the league right now, but those are guys are getting up, you know, 38, 44 years old. So they're, you know, some of these young guys got to step up and with Joe franchise here, he's got all the nicknames, like the cigar photo with that, you know, LSU, like he's got like that, that recognition and he's building his brand. And, mm-hmm. You know, I really like what he's got going on. He's an Ohio kid. You know, yeah. he had the whole fan base behind him. He's, you know, he's not getting in trouble. He's, you know, the ultimate competitor. So he could definitely be a face of the league type guy. And the best part about him, it's the same with Brady. He's the perfect face because you're going to have people who absolutely love him. Yes. And you're going to have people who absolutely hate him. And either <laughs> way, that means eyeballs on TV screens because people are either rooting for him to fail or rooting for him to succeed. And it's yeah. the same with, it's the same with Brady. Like, I remember, God, I was the same way. You know, oh God, I do not want to watch Brady win another goddamn Super Bowl. And right, right. That means eyeballs on screens, you know. And um, yeah, he he should be. I mean, Rodgers and Brady and you know some of these older quarterbacks are still good for the league. And as a Packer fan, you know, biased to Rodgers, but this the league is in good hands with this next generation of QB groups. I mean, Mahomes already been to two Super Bowls. Josh Allen might get over the hump this year. We'll see. And then you got Herbert and Burrow. I mean, the, the AFC especially is in good hands. I have a quick question for you on a just kind of a one person. Like, would you rather your top of your head? I don't have any stats looking at it. Just just thinking about it. Uh, who would you rather have, Joe Burrow or Andrew Luck's career? Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Okay. I mean, any Luck played for what ten years, so. Burrow's got a long way to go, and he's got to keep playing at a high yeah, level. Yeah, yeah. But Andrew Luck, I mean, that, that guy had probably – he was the most hyped number one pick for, what, 15 years? That guy had all the talent in the world. And, I mean, he backed it up, and he didn't get to a Super Bowl. I mean, that was because of some roster construction uh, issues. But, I mean, that guy that guy performed every single year. He, he, he did. The thing with the quarterback position, though, and I think why it's so – like, 
it's important for all professional athletes, but I think at the quarterback position, you just need that guy with that swagger, like that undeniable belief. And not saying that Andrew Luck didn't, but he's kind of a goofier guy, a little bit more nerdy, a little bit more, he's a Stanford guy, analytics. You hear him talk, and it's like, like you wonder if the locker room is like going to rally for that guy. Yeah. There is no doubt in my mind that if the Bengals are down six with a minute to go, that that entire team is going to rally behind Burrow just because he's got oh, that yeah. confidence. And Everyone's got confidence that Joe will bring him back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like the same with Brady. Like, no, like even Rodgers to maybe an extent, but Brady for sure. Like, if they're down four with a, two minutes left, you almost feel like that's way too much time. This game's over. They're going to win. And I think Burrow's got that. He's just got that swagger, that confidence, and it, it can get a team to rally behind it, and you can win games that you probably had no business winning just because of that. And for that yeah. kind of cool factor is why I would take Burrow, but not a, not yeah. a bad choice either way. <laughs> right, and, and for my take, I think I would take both uh, Burrow and Herbert over Andrew Luck. But, yeah, I, I think they're I think that highly of both of these guys. Herbert's got the tools. He's got to prove that – and. I hate comparing. Oh yeah, he's got to prove he's got to prove he can win in the in the postseason or he can get to the postseason. But yeah. I mean, just looking at him, the, the talent wise, I think talent wise, I would take both Burrow yeah. and Herbert. And I hate comparing, like I hate tying quarterbacks to win loss records because there are fifty two other guys that play. Yeah. Um, like I think about like the NFC Championship game that the Packers blew to the Seahawks. Yeah. Like is that Rogers' fault they lost? I mean. Partially, he didn't score any more points, but like the defense just got burned. They had the onside kick yeah. I mean, there's so much that goes yeah. into football. Yeah. Um, okay. Sophomore slump for Chase. I'm going to say yes, but just because he set the bar so high last he year. He did. He said so high. You look at his stats. I got him up here 81 catches, just shy of 1,500 yards, 13 touchdowns. I mean, that is insane for a rookie wide receiver. So mm-hmm. to expect a guy to do that, you know, in his second year is kind of high expectations. That being said, yeah. I don't see why he can't. But if he, you know, goes for 1,100 yards and nine touchdowns, that's technically, I guess, a slump. But it'd still yeah. be a, it still would be a fantastic season. So I got a quick little screen grab I got from – from the athletic here, you know, among the best rookie wide receiver performances in 1970, uh, Justin Jefferson is only one of four players ever uh, to actually increase the production of both yard and yards receptions and touchdowns in year two. So he put the bar so high, uh, mm-hmm. like the expectations for him, they got to be tempered a little bit. So I, I, I really don't think he'll be at, you know, 1500, you know, hundred balls and, you know, 10 plus touchdowns like that's that's asking a lot for a guy i mean we, we talked about some of these other guys you know the uh, the amari coopers the some of these other guys that are that are getting paid you know top 10 wide receiver money and some of those guys have never had double digit touchdown years and jamar right. chase had 13 last year like can you expect 13 touchdowns every year that is that's a, it's almost a touchdown a game that's a lot to ask yeah um and then health's going to play into it too. Like he stayed healthy. I think he played like 16 games last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, same thing, you know, with all these guys that stay healthy, have like record setting seasons, you know, Cooper cups, you know, Jamar chase, like all these guys, you know, health is not a guaranteed thing. And if you miss, you know, two, three, four games, you're already 
behind the eight ball. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I have a would you rather segment. Yeah. Ooh. Oh. Yeah. yeah, the tables have turned. Now you get to sweat. I can't um, wait. Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson? Jamar. Jamar Chase. Like, uh, I think it's really close, but Jamar Chase. What a great problem to have if you had to pick between those two guys. Yeah, I mean, Jed is definitely – he has one more year in the league than him. He's got the production, but the, the potential that Jamar Chase has, I mean, he has basically like Randy Moss, like one of the best receivers ever type potential. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, Jettas is a great player in his own right. These guys will be tied at the hip. They were because they were both from LSU, great teammates. You know, great problem to have here. Choosing between Jettas and, and Jamar here. Uh, yeah, but great problem. I think I'd go with Jamar Chase. Like it, he runs a four three. You know, he's built like a house. <laughs> the guy can run every route in the book at age twenty one. You know, his yards after catch ability is second to none. Like, it's just ridiculous what this guy can do. Yeah, I would agree. I just think he can do a little bit. He's a little bit more well-rounded. Yes. Um, but. I think Je- I think Justin Jefferson's best position is the slot position. Yeah, and he I think Jamar can do more. field better than any wide receiver in the game right now. Who? Jettas? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like his deep ball. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I can give you that. I think there's a couple of guys in that elite tier. I, w- I wouldn't say that he's better than Tyree Kill with the deep ball, but um, I think Justin Jefferson probably is better in the slot than Jamar Chase, but I think Jamar Chase can go in the slot easy. I think he's way better as a boundary X receiver than Justin Jefferson is. Um, and it will be interesting to see, though, how Jefferson's numbers kind of come here this year because he's getting into that Ram-style offense, that Cooper Cup role. So if he gets into that Cooper Cup role, he already has a report with Kirk Cousins. He might be up for a triple crown type thing this year too. So mm-hmm. it, it's going to be phenomenal to watch these guys for the next decade. The NFL is in good hands. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one more would you rather. Oh, whoa, LS- looking two. LSU wide receivers or Alabama wide receivers? Uh, I'm going to go with LSU because they have less guys in jail right now. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Uh, then you got Odell Beckham Jr., you got uh, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and then on the flip side, you got what, Jerry Judy, unproven, Henry Ruggs, he's in Leavenworth right now, uh, and then you got, um, what's Calvin the other guy, Ridley. Devont- Calvin Ridley, he's banned, uh, and you got uh, Devontae Smith, who he set the rookie record for receiving yards for the Eagles, which is fantastic, um, but... He, I don't think he's not even close to what Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson have in production wise. So, um, I think just looking at it right now, I'm going with LSU. Yeah. Okay. Fair to say LSU is wide receiver. You? Uh, no. Ohio State, maybe. I think Ohio State. I would take Ohio State guys over Alabama guys right now. Another good one. Ohio Michael State. Thomas, Garrett Wilson, uh, Chris Olave. Um, top of my head, uh, Terry McLaurin, uh, Curtis Samuel, like they got some, they got some dogs here coming in, coming from OSU. And then you got, you know, the next guy coming out and Jackson and Jigba Smith. He's mm-hmm. going to be good. So yeah. Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, all those guys. Marvin uh, Harrison Jr. <laughs> yeah. He's sure. coming out of Austin. <laughs> all right. All right. So then moving, moving forward here. 
Um, do the right notes here. Um, can the Bengals repeat as division champs? I'm going to let you take that one first. So I think if looking at it today, I would say the Bengals are my favorite. I'm going to go with the Bengals winning the AFC North. I think the Baltimore Ravens are going to be a close second. They're getting some guys back from injury, and injuries really cost them a lot last year. Uh, I just love what the Bengals got with that offense. Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, uh, T. Higgins, I think I'm really high on, and then Tyler Boyd might be the best third wide receiver in the NFL. So um, I, I think just with that offensive alone, you can get by and score 35, 40 points. And last year he was putting up like 350, 400 yards. Joe Burrow, that is, uh, put up like 400 yards a game on the Ravens. So the Ravens got to try and find a, a pass rush and a game plan to try to get it, kind of get to Joe Burrow here this year. And until they prove it to me, I'm still sticking with, I'm still sticking with the Bengals. Yeah. Did, I'm just kind of thinking out loud here. Um, I agree. It's probably between the Bengals and the Ravens. You know, the Ravens last year, they dealt with just a ton of injuries. And I don't remember how many games Lamar missed. Six, seven? It was a, a yeah. handful. And, yeah. and they finished the year on, like, what, a six or seven game skid? Or closer, you know, five and, or one and five or something like that? Um, yeah. Mainly because, you know, your MVP candidate's m- missing. Again, it's just the Bengals, the Super Bowl hangover thing is real. So it's, you know, you don't know what the locker room's like. Are, are they as hungry as they were last year? But I would, if I had to bet, I think I'd probably still bet on Cincy just because you do have Burrow. That, I mean, the, the guy we haven't mentioned yet is Joe Mixon, who had like a rebirth last year. Um, yes. And now he's getting an even better offensive line. Mm-hmm. I mean, that offense can be scary good if that offensive line can hold up and perform. I mean, you're right. There's no reason that these guys can't score 30-plus points a game. This might be a candidate to have the highest-scoring offense in the league, which is saying something given what the AFC West has put together, Buffalo. I think the Rams are going to score a bunch of points, So, but the Bengals might have the highest-scoring offense at the end of the year. And Joe Mixon, are we, are we getting all this love to Joe Burrow right now, you know, but Joe Mixon, he ran for uh, 1,205 yards last year. So you're getting 1,200 yards from your from your back. He's a true three-down back. He has phenomenal hands. He can run great routes out of the backfield. I mean, he's a candidate to be one of those top five running backs in the league right now, and I think he gets overlooked with uh, the bigger names out there, mm-hmm. you know, the Derrick Henrys, Jonathan Taylors. I think a lot of people forget about Joe Mixon and how good he is. Um, I just love that, that Cincinnati offense, and – even going back to last year with like the Ravens, like yeah, you got Marlon Humphrey, you got Marcus Peters, but they had a lot of trouble just covering anyone on that on that back end. Marcus Peters was out for the year, I believe, with ACL. Um, they just need to get healthy. They they brought in Kyle Hamilton um, to help with the safety position. That was kind of a just a value pick. They just had to go with him there. Um, it'll be interesting to see the battle between the Baltimore secondary. It'll be interesting to see if they can slow down Joe Burrow and then Jamar Chase, that connection, the whole Joe Mixon X factor. It's going to be a great battle, I think. Um, wild card, maybe Pittsburgh can make a run eight, nine games, maybe. That's where I'm at with them. I don't think they're terrible by any means. I think they're going to be they're going to be sneaky good, I think. 
they got a great run game. They got a phenomenal defense. And then you have the dumpster fire in Cleveland. Uh, you know, with Baltimore, it's, it's a clash of competing styles. Um, Do you think Baltimore is going to be all right without Marquise Brown, though? That's what I'm saying. I think if Baltimore is going to win games, it's going to be because of their defense. I Yeah. I mean, like with Lamar, I don't think – as a, if I was the owner of that franchise, I would not want to put my eggs in the basket of Lamar Jackson running for over a thousand yards and double-digit rushing touchdowns like he had in his MVP year. Now his MVP yes. year, he also threw for thirty-eight touchdowns and only had like seven picks. I mean, he did it both ways, which is why he earned that MVP. Are they able to do that with a two tight end set? I don't know. Maybe, um, but you know they have. Rashad Bateman and who else? I mean, it's it's going to be the Mark Andrews show. Who was the tight end they drafted? Oh, was it old? not old? Yeah, uh, Isaiah Likely and Isaiah Likely. And, from, yeah, Carolina Coastal. Yeah, and they had one more I thought, but um, yeah, well, they, they drafted Likely, who's more of a pass catching tight end, and the other tight end they drafted was more of a run blocking tight end. So you're going to see like kind of old school football out of Baltimore. Run the ball 30, 40 times a game some combination of Dobbins and um, who's the other back? Uh, Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards and yeah. probably Lamar himself. And then a lot of play action yeah. over the middle of the field with these tight ends. And it's, they're going to have, I think they're, when they're going to win, they're going to win games like 24 to 10, 17 to three. I mean, they're going to win those yeah. kind of just old school grinded out football games. So when you play a team like Cincinnati, if Cincinnati gets out to a 14 nothing lead, like I would be like, I just don't think Baltimore's got the firepower to come back from a two touchdown deficit. Right. Right. They kind of remind me of a weird kind of hybrid version of like the way we talk about Titans, right? Oh man, if the Titans get down, you know, Derrick Henry gets taken out of the game. Yeah. I think it's the same kind of thing you say with the Baltimore Ravens. If they get down, oh man, like Lamar's effectiveness goes way down. That kind of, that whole running threat kind of goes away. You can't be four yards carry with J.K. Dobbins. You gotta like air it out, and and I don't know, like the Lamar thing, like the Lamar thing is kind of it's a weird situation. Like there's there's people that love him, and there's people that hate him, and I think we're both in the camp that like we're not really too fond of him. But a lot of people are out there pointing to his MVP year and say, hey, hey, he can throw the football. And the statistics, I don't know, I don't know if those statistics really back it up. Um, you know, in 2021, Lamar out of 87 quarterbacks with over 300 attempts. Uh, in the past two years, since going back to 2019, so we have 87 quarterbacks versus man coverage. Uh, he was 87th ranked, so he's worst quarterback in the last two years uh, throwing against man coverage. And then uh, against five or more pass rushers out of the 87 quarterbacks, he ranked um, like 75th. So he's one of the worst quarterbacks against man coverage, which is weird because as a mobile quarterback, you should thrive off that yeah. and then versus the blitz essentially he's not great so he he's got happy feet in the pocket he takes an extra hitch in his in his uh in his drop back um his decision making is now he's up to par with these elite game uh i wouldn't say game manager but these elite quarterbacks um out there that you're trying to compare him with you know with the, the mahomes and the burrows and the allens that he's going to be competing with every sunday so the Lamar thing is, is it's a weird situation and I'm glad I'm not the guy that has to make the decision on paying him. Um, but in, 
if you watched last year with the Miami game, I think it was like a Thursday night or Monday night Miami game. And literally Miami, like Brian Flores just said, screw it. We're going to put all our guys in the box. We're going to play zero man coverage uh, and blitz, blitz the house every single play. And Lamar literally could not complete a pass. It was the most egregious thing I think we saw on, on a primetime game. It was all about blitz every play and Lamar couldn't do anything. So yeah. he has to take the next step in that progress in that um, development in his game, or he can kind of decipher a defense more quickly, get the ball out, make his hot reads uh, and deliver the ball accurately. Cause right now I think his accuracy compared to other elite quarterbacks is not even close to what they are. And then on top of it, you take away his favorite target, at least on the outside. Yeah, you take Andrews away his favorite, is his target. favorite target, but you take away his yeah, favorite I mean, this year's could be, super target. Yeah, this year's going to be Andrews, Andrews, and more Andrews. So, I mean, if you get him in fantasy, I think he might be tight end at one because there's no one else to throw to. I mean, they might even throw the ball only 25 times a game, which is, I mean, honestly, that's probably the best recipe for them to win ball games. You know, just keep the ball on the ground and, and just let your defense go, you know, go after it. But, yeah, I think they're going to have a tough time trying to score the ball if it's not Superman Lamar coming through for them. Yeah, and if and if they can't move the ball on the ground, like they like they need to have like 35, 40 minutes of time of possession, I think, to win. I, I think the Tennessee Titans, another example might be the San Francisco 49ers of late. Like they just need to control the clock, let that defense like stuff you, and then just six, seven minute drives for touchdowns and just yeah. win dirty games. I think that's what that's Baltimore's <laughs> recipe for success. Right, like it's not going right. to be super fun to watch, but that kind of recipe though, you can that that sets you up with the ability to beat anybody or lose to anybody. Like they almost got clipped last year by the Lions. If mm-hmm. Justin Tucker doesn't make a sixty-yard field goal, a sixty-five-yard field goal at the buzzer, they're taking an L in Detroit, and they're looking even worse than what did last year. You know, yeah, they had a lot of a lot of that type of situation. Um, but uh, I want to get your thoughts on their wide receiving core, real quick. I I, I I should know this. I can't name one wide receiver off the top of my head. I was gonna say I think oh, Green Bay's Bateman, wide receiver Bateman because he was drafted Bateman. in round one last year. I think I think Green Bay's wide receiver core. I would take them in a heartbeat. I think they clear Baltimore's wide receiving core. I would take you know Christian Watson, Romeo Dubs, um, Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, and Sammy Watkins over Rashad Bateman, uh, Devin Duvernay, uh, and like. James Proch second, like that's like the receiving core, and like no one knows who those guys are. Maybe Bateman because he's a first round pick, but nobody knows any. They have no like credibility whatsoever around the league. They have Mark Andrews, great, but like your wide receivers, there's nothing on the outside. So is it'll be interesting to see if defense is kind of key on that and just kind of go one on one on the outside, kind of double and double uh, Andrews stack the box and just say you're not throwing the ball over the middle. We're gonna stack the box. And, and see what you can do. It'll be interesting to see if Lamar can figure that out. Yeah, they might be the Wisconsin Badgers of the NFL, where it's like, <laughs> okay, everybody knows we're going to run it, and we have to run it. And if we can, we'll, we got a good shot to win. And if we can't, we're, we might lose because we'll be down two touchdowns, and then now we got to throw the ball, and that's not our area of expertise. I think it's going to be like the Tim Tebow Gators, where it was like Tim Tebow just runs the ball and like little like flip handoffs like kind of exotic scheme like mm-hmm. quick stuff you know like tim Tebow was a great rushing quarterback in college couldn't throw the ball to save his life i think that's kind of be like the model of what the ravens are going to be it's going to be 
hopefully Lamar can get us something in the past game and just keep him healthy for 16 games, 17 games. And hopefully the run game can bail us out. And hopefully he can run the ball. You know, they're going to need him to run the ball close to getting a thousand yards again, which, which by my scary. estimation is, is so scary. I wouldn't want that. Like he won the MVP getting 1200 yards. I would not feel comfortable asking my quarterback, regardless of who he is, he might be the most athletic quarterback ever to run the ball to get 1200 yards like that. That's setting you up for failure. Think about how short Cam Newton's career was for that exact reason. Facts, dude. Yes, uh, like you can't. About, you can't take those hits. Josh Allen running for 600 yards a game, and you know, and Allen and Cam Newton are 240, 250 pounds. Yes, Lamar is yeah. more of like a traditional running back where he's probably 215, 220. Yeah, and now he's getting smacked. Like, and, and the whole Josh saw, Allen thing. The whole Josh Allen thing was it was kind of fun to watch this past year like he didn't run as much and then it got to like money time and it was you know he played the chiefs and they're running qb sweeps and they're doing all these like you know options but like he wasn't doing a whole lot of that during the regular season uh but it when he when the chips were down they were like yep all right this is our offense we have to get him going in the run game which that was kind of cool to see they <laughs> saved that in their back pocket Baltimore tried that last year with Lamar of him not running and him trying to be more of a pocket passer. And then it really wasn't working for him. And they flipped out of that. They let him kind of go back to the old MVP style run where you can run where you can just take off and go type thing ends up getting injured. I know. Like, and then they, they didn't win when he was gone. And yeah, and then when you're playing with Tyler Huntley and God knows what else, Trace McSorley maybe got an appearance, but like you can't win having your quarterback rush for a thousand yards like that's not a super bowl recipe like it might be fun like great highlights on twitter but like you know you're doing spin moves on linebackers like you know you do a spin move on the right linebacker you might get your jaw broke yeah. like you can't be doing that and you're no longer and then once you start running you have none of the protections that every other quarterback has right now you're a runner and you're not defenseless mm-hmm. right, um, right if you i'm going to tackle this from two different directions if you were Lamar Jackson's camp and he has been extremely patient in his contract negotiations which if as of today has been extremely beneficial yeah do you think he benefits from waiting a whole other season to sign his contract or is the market is if this is a stock market is the market for Lamar Jackson as high as it's going to be like if he plays a whole other season without extending is his market going to go up or is it going to go down? If I'm Lamar's camp, I'm advising him to wait because even if he has another like 16 touchdowns, 13 interception season, I feel like his brand that he's kind of built throughout the league and his, his pedigree is there. Like if you mention the name Lamar Jackson in the open market, you're telling me that these like, I don't know. For instance, I know some of these guys already got quarterbacks on the roster, but like you're telling me there wouldn't be a bidding war for Lamar Jackson in the open market. Chicago wouldn't pay him. Detroit. You know, Detroit. You tell me Detroit wouldn't pay him. Mm-hmm. You're telling me like, you know, Tennessee wouldn't pay him. You're telling me all these guys wouldn't give him 40, 45 million. Just on the land, Lamar Jackson, that can point to him having an MVP. He was going to have 
tons of jersey sales wherever he would go if he ever hit the open market. So I'm not worried about him, you know, having a bad season. And then, you know, Eric DaCosta saying, well, you know, we're only going to give you $30 million a year. Like, if he does that, you're not going to get Lamar. And if you want to play the whole tag and C game, like, then you're going to end up in the Dak Prescott situation where two years from now, if you want to do that, you're looking at, you know, $60 million per year or he's going to walk. And then what do you do? So it's a very dicey situation. If I'm, you know, the Ravens side, I'm trying to sign him as soon as possible. If I'm on the Mars side, I have no uh, hesitation about, uh, I have, I'm not scared of waiting. Um, I think the money's going to be there regardless. I think his price is only going to go up. The, the cap is only going to go up. So I, I, would, I wouldn't be in a rush to sign anything. It's going to be interesting to see how much he does actually sign for when he does get that contract signed. Is he going to go top of the market? Is he going to come in a hair under, you know, Mahomes and Allen? Is he going to just play it out and get tagged? I mean, it's 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 the weirdest situation I've seen in a long time. Um, it is weird. I think I have the opposite stance. I think the market for Lamar Jackson might not ever get higher than it is today. And as an agent that puts you in a very, and, and he doesn't have an agent, it's his mom. Yeah. So, but if he had an agent, it, it would be very hard to tell a client, look, I think we need to sign now because I don't think you're going to be worth more next year. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I don't, know how, I don't know how you have that conversation. But I think the, the safer bet and the more, the better bet for him right now would be to sign before this season starts. Because... If he does have another 16 and 13 season next year, if I were the Baltimore Ravens, I would be comfortable letting him walk. And to your point, maybe there still is a market for him. It, it kind of becomes like, what does Saquon Barkley get? He's kind of in the same boat, right? Can he get but top Sa- dollar? Saquon's that's that's apples and oranges because that's running back it's versus running quarterback. Back, you are, but you're you're. But my point, the comparison that I was trying to make is you're making a future bet on past performance but it's not even last year's past performance it's performance from three years ago yeah um so like you know if i'm the detroit lions and i'm getting in the bidding war here for lamar jackson like am i gonna pay him 45 million for a season he had three years ago maybe because it's better than what i've had you know in decades although stafford i think he did well there but I, i i understand the point there um so I don't know. I think I would sign this year, get your four for one eighty, probably about right. Dak got four for one sixty. Yeah. I think you probably get five million more than Dak since Dak signed now two years ago. And I think you're probably pretty happy with that. That's forty five million a year. I think he's gonna eclipse forty five million just because of the core the way the quarterback market's going. Um Man, I I think it Thank God I'm not Eric DaCosta. He's the one that's got to make this decision. Um, I don't know if I'd pay Lamar that. I really don't. I mean, unless he can – and again, this year – and the other, the other thing is stats aren't everything. you got to look at performance and what they can do, and I understand that. But this, this year is not a good year to go in for Lamar. You have no help. Right, right. And now he's you're in the contract year. year. He's in the contract year, and he's got no help on the outside. He's got to pray that Mark Andrews stays healthy every single game. 
Um, he's got to make really, the... And do you want to risk playing in the tag two years? I mean, Kirk Cousins did it. Dak did yeah. it. But why not get it now? And, and again, like we talked about this last week, as many times as you can get to free agency, the better. So sign a yeah. three-year deal, sign a four-year deal, get to free agency one more time. I worry about him being able to play to 40, unlike some of these other pocket passers. Just cause if I'm Lamar is... Jackson, though, I'm taking a long-term deal because I'm on my, about my legs. Like His game's solely based on athleticism and not on you know arm talent necessarily. Yeah. You know, I'm, so I'm can, looking for that seven-year deal. I'm looking for that, you know, long-term deal to lock it in, get the high guarantee, whatever you can get. But I'm looking for that long-term deal instead of that short-term deal because, you know, if he's 30 years old, he's looking like Cam Newton, <laughs> and everyone knows how Cam Newton looked when he was 30. He looked like he couldn't even play anymore. But he got hit so a, much. Can you get a seven-year deal that's fully guaranteed? Mm. Sean, Sean got five. Sean got five. And if you're Lamar, you're looking at like, look, this – you know, this guy over here in Cleveland's got 24 civil suits against him and gets $230 million guaranteed. Where's my bread at? And I want it fully you guaranteed. Know? And I got an MVP. So you better yeah. guarantee all of it or we're going to have some problems. Uh-huh. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what Lamar actually wants to do. Because Lamar's come out and said, hey, I want to win a Super Bowl. I don't want to get paid until I do that. This, that, and the other. Saying all the right things. But, man, when you're playing for peanuts on your rookie salary – you know, and you're you're looking at a two hundred million dollar contract offer coming in. I mean, things get, you know, we'll see where his true values lie. And you know, like Dak Prescott might be the closest comparison because when he played on the tag, he fractured his ankle. But Dak is still more of a pocket passer than a true runner. Yeah. Lamar, his versatility is his legs. And like, what if he gets snapped in half this year? Yeah. Like it's. He's the only got... th- if you're like the the people out there that are worried about like hey if he gets injured will his value go down they'll point to the the case study of Robert Griffin the third like he had that ACL thing and then he was just never the same like people will point to that and say hey get your money now so you don't end up like RG three I can see that uh-huh. but I feel like his pedigree and his play from even two years ago or three years ago whenever he won the MVP like he can point to that and be like look this is what I can do. You know, this is what the con- you know this is what I want in the contract, and I think he'll be able to get it on the open market if that's the way he wanted to go. Yeah. Uh, I think Baltimore would probably be smart to pick. Okay, I think Baltimore would be smart to get him uh, below market value um, if they can, but I think they need to keep him. Otherwise, they're going to go back until you know the six wins, five win territory that they they don't yeah. want to be in. Oh, for sure, and that's why I don't want to be Eric Costa, right? Because like, yeah, I think what I want to pay Lamar right now as it stands today, based on just his, his book of work, 45 a year, 50 a year. It's probably closer to 50. I think you're right there. Um, no, but on the flip side, how do you sell it to your fan base? Like, Hey, look, we're going to let Lamar walk. Yeah. And, we're, and don't worry. We have uh, Huntley and yeah, right. we're going and, and to go draft a guy next year. Right. Oh, great. That works out. I mean, I think round one quarterbacks have a hit rate around 40%. So you might be looking for the next guy for yeah, four, five, years. six seasons because you're going to give a guy at least two seasons. And not to mention, they've built their entire offense around Lamar. Like everything they've done and drafted and, and developed here is all based on Lamar and, the, and that scheme. And look at their backup quarterback. Huntley yep. is like Lamar Jackson light. I mean, he's. Yeah. They have totally committed to that style. Yep. So I agree. 
It's just it, it is that is a extremely fascinating situation. I just like there's there's being patient and then there's waiting too long and I'm worried that Lamar is waiting too long. Mm. I'm not worried he's waiting too long. I I I think the money's going to be there regardless of when he signs. So yeah, it's just, you know when he gets to the open market, like let's say he's got another average season, he throws for. 25 touchdowns, 15 picks, rushes for 800 yards, and has six more rushing touchdowns. That would probably yeah. be like a baseline mediocre year for a guy like Lamar. Yeah. And he goes to the open market. Is that open market going to be Deshaun Watson-style open market? Or is it going to be like, hey, we really want you and we're going to pay you, but we're going to do like a like a Kirk Cousins-style deal. Or we'll give you two years for 45 fully guaranteed. Like, is he going to be able to get that five, six-year deal, which I think he needs? With his I mean, you're also player. talking about like a 20, I think he's like, what, 26, 27-year-old quarterback as yep. an MVP. Mm-hmm. You know, you're talking about 27, say, say he's 27, 27-year-old quarterback has an MVP. You know, he's got all these statistics backing him up. He's not the greatest thrower of the football, but just having an MVP candidate quarterback hit the open market, I don't know if you've ever – we haven't seen that really since like Peyton Manning. Tom Brady hit the upper market, but that's different. He was like 40, you know, 42. Yeah. Uh, Peyton Manning still – we all thought Peyton Manning still had like five years left, so. And Deshaun Watson showed what desperate teams are willing to do. So, exactly. You, yeah, know, you don't think Carolina's going to pony up Carolina, $250 million. Atlanta. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So you might be right. I might be a little uh, risk-adverse there. Um. Okay. Do you want to do your last Lamar question about MVP, or do you want to move on? Uh, we can we can do that real quick. You think he he's got another MVP in his in his bag here in the next couple of years or his career? I struggle to see it this year, just because of the help around him. Do you like, think he can do it with, do you with think that he... roster? Do you think he can throw forty touchdowns? I I personally don't. I don't think he's got another MVP year in in the next ten years. Honestly, I don't think you're looking at competing with Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, and Justin Herbert for the next decade. If it's Do gonna I think that for, if it's going to happen for Lamar, it's got to happen sooner than later because it is going to it's going to require it's going to require him being the legs. one seed. It's going to require the one seed, a thousand yards rushing, some ridiculous passing touchdown total. Like I don't know if he has that. You know, age twenty seven age 30 like he's competing with like stars in the afc like we're not even talking about the nfc i'm just talking about afc like you got four dogs he's got to compete with yeah it's gonna be hard definitely he would have to like as he gets into his 30s he's going to have to become a more of a true passer i think his legs will always be a component i mean russell wilson still is a threat to run i mean lamar is more athletic than russell wilson but Russell Wilson has the arm and the pocket presence. That's the style that Lamar is going to eventually have to transition to. Can he do that successfully? And I think right now in the next two to three years, his his path to an MVP is 40 touchdowns passing, limit the interceptions, and have 1,000 yards rushing with probably eight or more rushing touchdowns. And right now, like, unless – Mark Andrews has 30 receiving touchdowns. I don't know where those touchdowns come from. Right. Right. 
I, I agree, man. So I don't think it. I don't think he's even in the conversation this year, and I don't think it's any fault of his own. And we'll see how quickly, if he does sign, how quickly Baltimore can kind of rebuild that offense around him, because he's just. I just don't see where the touchdown production comes from this year. Agreed. All right. Pittsburgh. Um, can Najee win the rushing title, or were his, will his workload be watched this year? I'm going to say yes to both. Really? Yes. I think that his workload will be watched. They've already talked about it. There's already rumblings about it coming out of Pittsburgh, which is smart. You can't give that guy the ball 450 times a year. He'll die. Um, <laughs> and, but I think that, I mean, he's going to be the focus of that offense this year. For sure. I mean, whether it's Trubisky, uh, Pickett, or uh, Rudolph, it's going to be a run-first offense. So he's going to have a, and he can catch the ball in the backfield. So he's going to have plenty of opportunities. Um, the, the hardest thing against him is he's going to be the focus point of that offense this year. But he was last yeah. year, and it didn't really hurt him. So I think he can get there. Uh, he's got some stiff competition. Jonathan Taylor I don't think is going to slow down yet. What's Derrick Henry like? Is he able to stay healthy? Those are probably the top three backs, in my opinion. Yeah. You got Chubb. I think Chubb had 12.59 last year. Uh, and Mixon was at 12.05. And then Najee came in fourth. Uh, with 1,200 on the nose for rushing yards. And then Jonathan Taylor blew everybody away with 1,800 rushing yards. So, yeah. I we'll mean, see. Hen- Henry was up there with Taylor, though. He had like 900 yards in like eight games. Yeah, Henry was leading, was leading the league in rushing for like four weeks even after he broke his foot. So I think he that finished in the top freak. 10. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, I think he finished, like, I think he finished with like 950 in like 10 games which is like absolutely like freakish levels yeah but similar i think similar styles i think if pittsburgh's gonna win it's gonna be similar to tennessee kind of like we talked about with baltimore where like if they're expecting mitch trubisky to lead this team to like throw the ball 40 times a game and win that's that's not good nope Um, not the way not the way to do it so i think if whoever is quarterback can be serviceable enough to keep defenses honest that's going to open things up for harris and He's got the talent and the ability to do it. And he's going to get the ball probably 25 times a game, which is still less than his workload was last year, I think, if I'm (laughs) I'm just guessing the numbers here. So I I think it'll be both. I think they're going to be more aware of his. I think there's still going to be games where he gets the ball 35 times, but I think they're going to be more aware of his carries just to try and stretch his career out because otherwise he might not make it past three years. Right. Yeah. I don't think he's making it past his rookie contract if he keeps on that tra- on this trajectory. So Oh, the, the Steelers, my prediction, and I predicted this that when he was drafted in the first round, he is on the Le'Veon Bell path. Yeah. Where you're gonna get a fifth year option, you're gonna get a franchise tag in year six, and then we don't know. And then really we're done with you. Do. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and he's an, Shrewd business, man. He, he he's is, an older he's, back. He was drafted when he was twenty three. So he's yeah. gonna be twenty nine coming out of that almost yes. 30 and his like whoever is advising him like he should do all the endorsements all the wealth management buying businesses whatever he can do to have an income because even if they reduce his workload he's gonna get 20 carries a game pretty yeah. confident in that and who's gonna who, who what team's gonna get a 28 29 30 year old back who's got 300 yeah. touches a year it's yeah. a tough 
running back is so hard. Yeah. Yeah. And age 30 is when they fall off a cliff. So yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be rough for him. So, um, but I think he can get a rushing title this year. Uh, I don't know if he's the odds on favorite. In fact, I think I would still put Taylor. Ooh, Taylor or Henry. Taylor or Henry. Yeah. I think, I think Najee's right there though. Yeah. What I like about Taylor is he can do it in a flash. He can bust off an 85 year, an 85 yarder. Yeah. Um, Henry still kind of has that ability, but is more of a, I'm just going to grind you out six, seven, eight yards of carry. So I think, and I think Taylor's got the benefit of a more complete offense as long as Matt Ryan can be decent. Yeah. And Taylor and Henry both have the, we play Houston and Jacksonville twice a year in their back <laughs> right. pocket. Right. Uh, we'll, we'll put up 200 yards a game on them in my back pocket. So, yeah. yeah I mean, they're, they're probably more of a favorite over Najee. But I think Najee has all the talent and the ability and the opportunity to be able to get to that rushing title. Yeah. Um, Kenny versus Mitch versus Rudolph for QB1. All right, I'm going to give you my thoughts, and I'd love to hear yours. Yeah. If this team is starting Mason Rudolph week one, like mind blown. Like I can't believe we're even mentioning Mason Rudolph in this podcast. No offense to the right. duck, the duck caller or whatever they call him. Um, I've been on the Mitch Trubisky train since last fall. I went like as soon as like well probably since last March. As soon as he went to Pittsburgh, I think he's got a great opportunity here. He got to reset. He got to sit a year. He got out of Chicago, which is a is is where quarterbacks go to die right now. Um, he got to sit behind Josh Allen. He got to learn behind that offense. Like people forget that Josh Allen was able to completely rework his throwing motion and his lower body movement, which has now made him the MVP candidate that he is. I think Mitch got to watch all of that, and now he's got an opportunity. And Pittsburgh's got an opportunity. They're only paying him seven and a half million dollars over the next two years. I think Mitch Trubisky starts. I think Kenny Pickett is quarterback too. Kenny gets to sit for a year, which is great for him. I think he's got a lot to work on as he becomes pro ready. I think Pittsburgh wants to try and mirror the Green Bay style of next generation quarterbacks where they sit for two years. So if I was a betting man, I think Mitch Trubisky starts. I think Kenny Pickett's quarterback too. Mason Rudolph is maybe on the roster as quarterback three. I think, I think if I am Tom Wynn, I'm starting Kenny Pickett day one. He invested a first round pick in him. We got to see what the kids got. He's an older first round pick. Uh, he's 23 already. You got Mitch signed to a backup quarterback type deal. He might be the best backup quarterback in the league. Uh, I don't think, I don't think Mitch is a slouch at all. I think he can come in and win you some ball games. But I think the higher potential is rolling with Kenny Pickett day one, see what you got. Let him grow with Najee. Let him grow with Deontay Johnson. Let him grow with Pat Fryermuth. See what he's got. If you're starting Mitch, I feel like you're not maximizing the window or the development window for Kenny Pickett. You could be getting those game reps early and often in his career, and he's sitting on the bench. And, you know, if you have two guys that are similar production that you they think I have similar production, I would just roll with the higher potential guy, and that's that's Kenny Pickett to me. Mason Rudolph shouldn't even be in the conversation, but it's it's, it's kind of shocking <laughs> that 
you know, Mason's even, even, even still like on the roster, honestly, like he's, he's had multiple opportunities to show his talents and each and every time he show, he can't even get the job done whatsoever. And it just kind of blows my mind that these, these teams keep guys like this on their roster and not cutting them and just finding any other guy who come in and see what they have instead of retreading Mason Rudolph, who they know cannot win a game. If Dwayne Haskins hadn't tragically passed away, Mason yeah. Rudolph might not be on this team. Totally agree. Totally agree. So it's bananas that we're even talking about him competing for a QB1 spot. But that's what the news is coming out of Pittsburgh. Let me ask you this. This year, and this is coming off a year where the Steelers made the playoffs with a broken and battered Ben Roethlisberger, who gives this team the best chance to win? Because I think you and I both agree that this team has the potential to be competitive in this division. So knowing that, I think Tomlin's never had a losing season. Mm Mm-hmm. They probably are still thinking playoffs in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Knowing that, I don't think they're going full blown rebuild yet. So knowing that, who would who who wins you more games, Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett? That's hard. Both guys didn't play in the NFL last year, so <laughs> Mitch Trubisky uh, has more wins than Deshaun Watson in the NFL. Uh, that's ugly. Um, I don't know, man. That's a really hard question. I think I'm still gonna roll with Kenny Pickett, and I'm and it's not like a who gives you more wins type thing. It's a who has higher potential to me type thing. Uh, and I, I feel like both guys give you similar production year one here, no matter who starts. You know, I'm I'm looking at like 3,200 yards, 20 to 22 touchdowns, and like 10 to 12 picks. Like I feel like both those guys can reach that level. Not much more, not much less. And Kenny Pickett's the younger of the two, and he's the first-round draft pick. They've got more invested in him. I think I would roll with Kenny. I think as a coach, if I'm in Mike Tomlin's shoes, I think if as you go through training camp, I think Mitch will probably be QB1 in the preseason games, and then you throw in probably Pickett with the ones still on the field. If they are close, like as you said, if they both have – similar potential for the 2022 season, you have to play picket. Yeah. You got to get those game reps. You got to start now. But I think in year one, just knowing how hard the jump is from from college to NFL, I think Mitch Trubisky can still win you nine, 10 games. He, he did it in Chicago. Yeah. Um, I think he's probably got a better ceiling this year. And what you do with him is if it, falls off like you go a month you go two months you get to the end of october and you're sitting at three and six then pull them and then take your lumps and let Pickett figure it out on the fly and then you know where where you're going in 2023 that's the direction i would go but if they're close if it's like uh we can't tell then you go with Pickett. yeah yeah i agree yeah um so you have um something here about Flores as an inside linebackers coach. Does Brian Flores, this, this is not your question. This is my question. Is Brian <laughs> Flores a head coach in the NFL in 2023? I think he should be. Honestly, he should be a head coach right now. Honestly, he should be right now. I cannot believe 
that he did not get hired after he it's got amazing how the these NFL teams operate and how they do things pretty much ass backwards with any sort of PR nightmare type scenario they just kind of like blackball whoever it is or put their head in the sand type thing like there's no reason why Brian Flores should not be head coach right now but there's no reason he's suing the NFL That's exactly the exactly you sue the NFL and no one's gonna want to hire you it's it's crazy even though he's got the pedigree and, and the resume like the guy should be head coach yet you got you know Nathaniel Hackett being a head coach out there and you know all these you know do you remember coach- I was talking about this with I think Mike uh the Texans job before it went to Levy Smith was rumored to go to is it Josh McCown yes and he had Ooh, he had, all he had was he's uh, a high school high school coach, high school coach. yep like absolutely ridiculous come on and flores yep. is now i mean as flores has to be the most experienced inside linebackers coach ever oh yeah he's very overqualified for his position yeah uh, it's it's bananas to me that yeah he's not, he's not even a coordinator i mean he's an inside linebackers coach yep um all right we have a would you rather discussion here and then We'll talk T.J. Watt, and then we'll finish with Browns because they're a mess. Yeah. All right, so would you rather Deontay Johnson addition? Are you ready for this one? No, but go ahead. <laughs> All right, would you rather Deontay Johnson or Jalen Waddle? Waddle. Waddle? Uh, Chris Godwin. Godwin. D.J. Moore. Johnson. Keenan Allen. Allen. Mike Williams. I'm going to go Deontay Johnson. Brandon Cooks? Brandon Cooks. Bonus name here, Devontae Smith. Devontae. That one was hard. Ooh, wow. So I'm taking Deontay Johnson over pretty much everybody except for Chris Godwin and Jalen Waddle as of right now. I think Devontae Smith definitely has a lot of upside and definitely can make that leap. Uh, the other guy I think can make that leap is Mike Williams if he can stay healthy and put a full season together. But I think Keenan Allen's getting uh, he's getting up there in age. Um, I think it's close between DJ Moore and Deontay Johnson, but I'm taking Deontay Johnson. Um, and then same thing with Brandon Cooks. I think it's it's close. He he's bounced around the league, just not his not his fault, but just him getting traded. Yeah. Um, he and then you know he's playing with Davis Mills. I I just, I just like. Deontay Johnson more in that situation. Deontay had he had 107 catches for 1161 yards and eight touchdowns in 2021. So he, he can put up some numbers. I mean, he's more of like an underneath, you know, a route runner type a type guy. Yeah. Um, he fixed his drop issues. He went from 13% drop rate to 3% drop rate uh, from 2020 to 2021. So he's 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 improving in all facets of the game, and he love to see that. He's going to be uh, a year four contract year type guy here. Yeah, I mean, stud, and he kind of, he, I think, became what everybody thought Juju Smith-Schuster was going to become after Antonio Brown left. Um, And he's going to get, you mentioned 10 targets a game. I I don't expect that to drop off at all. If anything, it might increase with a young quarterback, whether it's just a blanket, man. Yep, where he's just going to get a lot of attention. Um, Another guy to watch fantasy-wise, I think, is Fryermuth. I think young quarterbacks love tight ends. Um, so I would expect his production to increase. Um, 
Yeah, I, I love Deontay Johnson. I think he's a good, a surprising wide receiver one on an offense that I, I think two years ago, I don't know if I would have predicted that. I agree. I agree. Um, where do we rank TJ Watt in terms of pass rushers? Uh, number one. And it's not over, even over, over really Donald? close for me. Over Donald. Purely, I, I, purely, purely pass rushing? Yes, TJ Watt. I mean, he had 22 sacks last year. I'm still taking Aaron Donald. I might take Miles Garrett, too. But TJ Watt, I mean, he's phenomenal. I think TJ Watt, for me, is third. He might slide to fourth if Micah Parsons can take a, another leap, honestly. And he had 22 sacks. He's phenomenal. But, like, just from my personal preference, I think Aaron Donald, he's the GOAT, generational player. Miles Garrett, I think, has a bigger frame than TJ Watt. I like I that. I guess it, de- it depends on your definitions here. Like, if I am, like, building around a defensive lineman, sure, Aaron Donald is. Yeah. What does Aaron Donald get? Like, 15 sacks a year? That's phenomenal. Oh, it's huge, but TJ Watt had 22. <laughs> I know, but Aaron years. Donald's playing D-tackle. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, right? It's a, it's a, it's a different. Like, if, I, if it's third and eight and you, it's a passing situation, and you need a sack, who are you going with, Donald or Watt? I'm taking AD. AD. Even if he's getting triple team, I think I'm taking AD, man. Hmm. Miles Garrett, I think – I don't know if he's in my top five. Really? Nick Boza over Miles Garrett? Both Boza brothers. I both? both? No, no, no. Both. You're talking Joey Boza over Miles Garrett? I think so, yeah. Wow. That's a hot take right there. Yeah, we got a few on the show. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, All right. I'm trying to think who else. It's crazy to me that Rashawn Gary is being thrown in this conversation. I think was it PFF had him ranked third. Yeah, he's the top five PFF guy. He's got superstar potential, and I think, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think he's going to get there, but I think a lot of people are starting to put him in that conversation of the TJ Watts a little too prematurely. Like, I think he'll get there, but like, He's is he there right it. now? No. Like, I don't expect Rashawn Gary getting 20 sacks, you know, Mm-mm. in 2022. He Damn has potential to do it. <laughs> I think he, sh- I think his goal should be 12 plus, honestly. If TJ Watt can play in 17 games this year, does he break 20 sacks again? Yeah. Yeah. I think he's phenomenal. That's why I think he's the best pass rusher. I don't. I don't see Miles Garrett getting a twenty. That's interesting. Um, I, I think Miles Garrett definitely has the potential to get to twenty. I wouldn't count that out. Uh, I think Aaron Donald has the potential to get to twenty. Yeah, I think he's the best pass rusher. He just can easily be doubled and triple teamed as he plays that position. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more. It's harder to double uh, edge rusher. I mean, you're unless you're throwing a with tight ends, you're chipping with tight ends, and, and you're hoping like you know Aaron Jones can chip them, like versus like you know a center guard combo block. So I I feel like Aaron Donald has a harder uh, assignment to get through versus like an edge rusher. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. It does. So. All right, let's go to Cleveland. Oh God, here we go. Um, so a couple thoughts on the Deshaun Watson case uh two more women have entered the lawsuit so that's now up to 24 
An interesting note that I saw on Twitter is depending on how his contract was written, and if you remember, his contract has a clause in it that future guarantees will not be voided by suspension. That is very rare in the NFL. Almost every team will have it that if you are suspended for misconduct or performance-enhancing drugs or whatever, your future guarantees in future years are voided. He doesn't have that. So the Browns threw him a, a bone here saying, hey, like, we know this is coming, but we're still going to fully guarantee your contract. Someone on Twitter pointed out now that there's two more women to come forward, and it's now been alleged that he alleged, excuse me, in the New York Times that he set appointments with like 66 women. Now, not all of those maybe had misconduct in them, but you're sensing a pattern here. Um, now that there's two more women in his civil suit, that may have that that those two new women might void those guarantees, which yeah. would be. They could say that he like he may he might have lied to them and that could possibly void his contract. I thought I saw somewhere if it's you know conduct detrimental to the team that could void his contract. Um, so there might be some loopholes that Cleveland could use. It's it's very long shots, but well, the problem for Cleveland is they they knew about this. So like yeah. if, if if I'm Deshaun Watson and I'm the players' union, who's well, they knew. They, did you they, say they knew about the 23rd and 24th? No, but they, they knew about his pattern of behavior. And if yes. you're going to try and use the conduct detrimental to the team, that conduct wasn't while he was a Brown. It was yeah. while he was a Texan. And yeah. they knew about his conduct as a Texan. Everybody knew about his conduct with, as a Texan. Yeah. So for them to go like, oh, this is conduct detrimental. Well, one, the conduct didn't happen while he was with your team. And two, yeah. you knew about it. Like, yeah, you can't say like, oh, we didn't know. Like, no, you knew. Yeah. So I think that's a hard stance. And I think one that could be argued and won against them. What you, you use the words dumpster fire. I can't think of a better term. What a dumpster fire in the sense that I think when they did this deal, they thought, look, we know there's going to be some blowback. It was kind of similar to when Vic had the dog thing going on. Yeah. Like, yeah, we know this is going to be a problem, but it's March. We got six months before we play a game. We'll deal with the blowback now. And once he starts throwing touchdowns, everybody will forget about it. And, yep. this, story, and this story just will not go away. Yeah. And you think the New York Times only has this one story? They probably have like three or more, four more that can drop over summer here. It and might only age, get worse. And in the age of Me Too and everything else, like, yes, I could fully see kind of a drip-style campaign against Deshaun Watson and now the Cleveland Browns. And quite frankly, if these allegations are true, he deserves it. And I don't feel bad for him or the Browns. Um, so, I, yeah, I agree. This is not the last of this. And now that he's going into civil trial, his depositions, everything, like that's going to leak. That's coming out. Evidence is yeah. going to come out. There's at least, I think, there was a story I saw where the Miami owner said that if he could have settled all of his lawsuits, they would have traded for him but because there was two or three women that were holding out they weren't going to touch it while there was ongoing litigation so now that there's two more women out of the suit and you know that at least two or three are going to hold out for settlement like this is all going to become public like there's going to be a trial yeah and the evidence is going to be presented and that trial could take a year or longer and you think people were fascinated with johnny depp versus amber heard wait till these this the what all of his 
conduct and happy endings aren't per se illegal, that his attorney's talking about all this yeah. stuff. Like we're gonna and learn you know what's unacceptable to me? What's unacceptable is not, you know, aside from Deshaun Watson, what's unacceptable is you have like Kevin DeFancy coming out and Roger Goodell coming out saying like, oh, we're going to let the legal process play out. Well, the legal process isn't going to play out anytime soon. You know, we're looking at like over a year from now from all this stuff being close to being done. Like, how are you going to let this man just kind of live in limbo here? You know, not any sort of suspensions. You're putting your head in the sand and saying, oh, we'll let the legal process play out. Like, they need to have a ruling on this pretty quickly, in my opinion, uh, so that fans of the NFL, fans of the Cleveland Browns can just take this, move past it, and, and and get on with it. Because right now, this is a huge embarrassment to Cleveland, huge embarrassment to the NFL. You can't just have this man play week one and say, oh, we'll let it play out. And then more and more stories keep dropping and dropping. And then you have a Ray Rice situation on your hands where you're looking, you know, you're stuck with your pants down saying, oh, we should have acted sooner, we shouldn't have been more, uh, we shouldn't have been as lenient, you know, it's our bad, oh, we'll get them next time type of things, oh, shucks. That's not going to fly, man. They've continually messed up situations like these in the media. They messed up the Ray Rice thing, the Kareem Hunt thing. They messed all these things up. They need to take this instance and use it as an opportunity to show the world that yes, we are going to start cracking down on this. We're serious. This is unacceptable for our league. Um, and no one should be able to treat women like this. Like, they need if, to do something. And if the NFL wanted, like if the owners, so when I'm talking the NFL, I'm talking about the owners. That is the NFL. Yeah. If they want to protect Cleveland as one of their own, all you do is ban Deshaun Watson for life. And just say this man isn't going to play. Yep. We're not going to honor his contract because he can't play. Cleveland gets out of the mess they've created for themselves, other than the PR nightmare that'll follow. And honestly, and again, these are just at this point allegations. Sean Watson's going to have his day on civil trial. But if they're true, like he should be. I mean, like a Trevor Bauer type two year suspension, I think is completely in line and trevor bauer had one allegation against that's that's even a i think that's less volatile in my mind than what deshaun watson's been accused of yes for sure like that was maybe uh the trevor bauer thing from what i understand i'm not an expert so maybe i should keep my mouth shut but from what i understand is it was a consensual encounter that turned rough and it turned ugly from her point of view. And that's why it's uh, domestic violence. And he's got the two year suspension. Deshaun Watson's got 24 of those situations and it wasn't consensual. <laughs> like it's right. being a pervert allegedly. Right. So right. I don't know. I think you and I have both been on the bandwagon probably up till last week that this is probably, this probably had four to six games written all over it just because six games seems to be the NFL's favorite number especially yep. where proof is hard to come by in these intimate situations. As this continues to come out and Goodell has said he's going to release judgment in July, like how is it anything less than a year at this point? Exactly. Like you're going to have a Twitter blowing up. Basically they're going to compare this to what Calvin Ridley got for betting 1500 bucks on FanDuel. Like you're going to give Calvin Ridley a year suspension, but if you, if you give anything less than a year to Sean Watson, you're going to get major blowback 
major blowback. And you even got uh, you can even compare it to like Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick t- takes a knee, and then you blackball him from the league. Deshaun Watson's out here assaulting twenty four women, and you'll give him six games. Like that's that's totally unacceptable. Totally, it, it is. And it, unfortunately, though, it goes back to like the Calvin Ridley situation. Calvin Ridley, even though it's fifteen hundred dollars. It calls into question the integrity of the games, which is the NFL's business model. Like, if you get people start to believe that these games are fixed or that athletes are betting on them, you'll get people stop watching. Unfortunately, people mistreat women, and we've seen it from the ownership down. Remember, Robert Kraft was doing the same thing. Yeah. I mean, Um, he was paying them. It was more prostitution than it was sexual assault, but... He got caught in a prostitution ring, and I think, unfortunately, the mistreatment of women just isn't looked at the same way. Now, where I do think Deshaun Watson will get in trouble here is, I do agree with you, this is a black mark on the NFL. The question will become is, will people stop watching the NFL because of it? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't, I don't think anyone's ever going to stop watching the NFL, to be honest. It's such a like a part of American life in the fall. It happens once a week. Everyone kind of sits down and watch on Sundays, watches their favorite teams. It's such a it's such a way of life. It's different from like MLB and NBA where there's like games on every two days, you know, seven o'clock on a Tuesday night. You know, people got stuff going on, but like every Sunday, noon, three o'clock, people are watching football games and that's just kind of their built in routine of their, their weekends. I don't think anyone's stopping watching the NFL. There's so much money built in this. It, people will say they'll leave, but NFL is still going to be king compared to NBA and MLB and TV ratings, money, all that revenue. It's it's so unfortunate that money is such a driving force behind a lot of these decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you take all the money out of it, there's no way that someone could accept Deshaun Watson in their workplace environment. And, and look him in the eye and go out and play golf with him and, and joke around. Like, like that's, it's me. It's just disgusting. Yeah. Well, and it's, I think time for the NFL to kind of put up or shut up. And they've, I mean, you, t- they've made such a big deal about diversity efforts. You know, obviously it's talked about in the context of African-American GMs and coaches, but also women. I think the Eagles now have a, is it assistant GM? I think who's a female, there's, I think, three or four or five NFL scouts that are now female. So they're trying to, like, branch out, and they're they're saying they're trying to do the right things, but then, like, how do you let – like, this won't be tolerated in any other workplace. Exactly. And so I, I don't know what's fair. Honestly, I don't envy the NFL trying to figure out what to do with this case. But I think anything less than a year is – egregious and quite frankly the MLB and Trevor Bauer is going to fight it and we'll see what happens in that appeal but I think the MLB set the precedent here where this behavior is going to be hit with a two-year suspension and I think that's probably fair if not to me to me I think he should be at least a one-year suspension honestly it should be an indefinite suspension taken on a year-by-year basis but most likely a ban for life that'd be for me just reading the New York Times article um, bringing some of the deposition stuff, like it's it, it's kind of it's frankly it's disgusting what he he did and kept doing, and he got spa workers to kind of go in on it and give him special treatment and basically have a uh, 
a ring of women that this lady was feeding him. Like, it, it's ridiculous. And then on top of that, it's alleged that the Texans, or at least people within the Texans, were either enabling or directly supporting him. The head of security support uh, gave him NDAs, man. Him like, NDAs how, how are you as a Texans organization say that you know nothing about his his endeavors here when you're giving him non-disclosure agreements? Because you know that women have said that, hey, man, I can ruin you if, this, if I tell the truth of what happened. Like you, so you know something's up. So either you know, and you're lying, or you choose not to know, which is probably, in my opinion, worse. And you are just you're enabling him in both situations. So you're an accomplice to me. And again, it's tricky because uh, Nick Casario, and they're providing the Houstonian membership for him to do all this stuff. Well, and there, if they were giving him something of monetary value, like a hotel room, um they're violating salary cap rules because that should be included in salary, which it likely wasn't. Um, mm -hmm. There is an interesting case too, because they have had a changing of the guard, not necessarily at the ownership level, but Nick Casario's first year was last year, wasn't it? Yes. So he's probably coming in going, what did I get myself into? Cause he didn't play Deshaun last year, um, mm -hmm. but now his organization should be hit with some sort of penalty. It's kind of like, it reminds me of like the NCAA and lack of institutional control. I mean, that's kind of the penalty here. Like, yeah. how is your head of security doing this as an organization? How are you enabling this with, again, if these allegations are true and the NFL will figure that out? I don't know, man. That's wild. It, it, this story is not going away, though. With the whole um, 24th woman coming out and also suing the Texans, I think that's going to be a huge thing, too. What kind of penalty does Roger Goodell enforce on Houston? And do they take away draft picks? Because, like, you can't just, you know, slap a million-dollar fine on a billion-dollar owner because that looks – that's, like, you know, 50 cents for you and me, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, that's nothing. Like, there has to be, like, actual, like, true punishment. And and taking away, like, draft picks just, like, hurts the team. Like, you, you, you got to do something to, like, actually hurt the people that were complicit in this, like – yeah. I, I don't know what you do. It's a very hard situation, and I don't know how to go about it, about it but there has to be actual real ramifications for what happened and, like, what allegedly happened there. Like, that, that security officer needs to be banned from NFL for life, in my opinion. You know, you know what, though? Here's the problem with all this is as we learn more about these organizations, this I, I don't know if this is – the rule or the exception because you got dan snyder who is allegedly spying on his cheerleaders in his in the, in their training room that's i think all these billionaire then, owners got skeletons in the closet man and that's it's why just, i think they're afraid to go after like as a group they're afraid to hammer down on the texans or the commanders or dallas uh someone in jerry jones circle was accused of the same yep. thing with the dallas yep. Cowboys cheerleaders i think they're all afraid to like go after dan snyder or the Cowboys or the Texans or now the Browns as they're kind of embracing this because they know that, hey, if we start, you know, hammering them, they're going to start pointing fingers and it's more stuff's going to come out. So it's better just to we'll make Roger Goodell the bad guy and let him figure out how to deal with this. But as another team, we're not going to cast stones here because we're living in glass houses. So I, I don't know how hard the NFL is going to push this.
that's crazy. Basically, you're saying, yeah, skeleton in the closet because they want to expose their own dirty little secrets. Like that's that's so bad. Yeah. It's terrible, <sighs> but I don't know how that's not the case. Right, right. Because like, if this happened in any sort of other workplace environment, not in like major pro sports, people would be fired immediately, without question, terminated immediately. Well, and, here the NFL benefits from being a private organization too, because yeah. you know Congress can do all they want to kind of dig in, but at the end of the day, the NFL has certain protections by being a yes. private organization. They are not public; they're not publicly traded. Um, so. That's that is uh, that's that man. Absolutely crazy stuff. Uh, you had a couple more questions about uh, Cream Hunt. Would you rather? We got to talk Baker, and then we still haven't done the over under um, work totals. Uh, so um, we'll pick up on that next week. Um, I got to run anyway. So we'll finish with the Browns next week. We'll do some over-unders of the AFC North, and then we'll kick it over to the AFC East. So thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will talk to you all later. Bye.